This is part 3 titled Justified in this sermon series on our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ. Be enriched as you listen. We're going to make our declaration right now and uh, what we would do normally in our uh, in-person services is we'd all stand up, hold the Bibles high up in the air and make our declaration, which is an announcement of our faith and what we believe. But um, right where you are today, you do that. You will see the words come on the screen and you say it bold, strong, say it like you mean it, say it because you believe it. So let's make our declaration together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word, I believe his word, and I live by his word. Christ is my master, and to him I am in absolute surrender. I walk in the more glorious covenant with God. I live the more glorious life in the spirit. I manifest the more glorious ministry of the spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for making that declaration with us. Today, we are going to continue in our sermon series on our identity in Christ. We started this about two weeks ago, and we still have a long way to journey through this entire teaching uh, of uh, understanding our identity, our inheritance, and how to live out of our life in Christ. And uh, I cannot overemphasize the importance of this revelation. I believe that if every child of God, every believer comes to know and understand and embrace this revelation of who we are in Christ, of our identity in Christ, of our inheritance in Christ, and how to live that life out of our life in Christ, I believe it's going to solve so many problems uh, that people face in life, whether it's having to do with our self-image, our self-esteem, uh, how our, our sense of confidence and boldness in life, how we face challenges, uh, how we address situations, how we confront demonic powers, all of these issues that people struggle with mentally, physically, emotionally, in other areas, will be addressed simply by understanding this revelation, this truth, and living out of it. It's going to solve many problems. So I cannot overemphasize how important this uh, teaching is on who we are in Christ. And that's why we keep coming back to it in fresh new ways, digging deeper into that, uh, trying to understand more, trying to explain it even better on how to live that life. And so, uh, uh, you know, stay with us, uh, take this in, listen to these sermons sometimes, you know, two times, three times, over and over again. Listen to the, the sermons and let the word sink into your heart and learn to live out of your identity in Christ. Today, we're going to take this forward. We're going to talk about being justified and made righteous in Christ. So many believers struggle with this, and what we're going to hear today is going to really 
help set us free from that and teach us how we are supposed to live uh, out of our new identity in Jesus. So let's go through the scriptures and we're going to build scripture by scripture, build up this truth so that it is really established in our hearts and minds once and for all. So stay with us as we journey through the scriptures. We're going to start up from Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Uh, and Paul writes here, and we read this earlier. Uh, Paul writes in Ephesians 1 4, he says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So notice Paul is saying that you know, this is something God did even before the foundation of the world. He chose us, we'll just talk about that sometime later. He chose us in Christ. That's the whole theme of the series, who we are in Christ. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. We're going to study that next Sunday, holy, being holy. But he says we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Look at those words, without blame. So how does God see you? When God sees you, he sees you as somebody who is without blame. Those words without blame simply mean to be faultless, to be blameless or unblameable, without blemish, without spot. This is how God sees us. And, you know, there are many scriptures around this. And we just mentioned Colossians chapter 1 and verse 22. Over there, he says that through what Christ did for us on, his, on the cross... Uh, we have been presented holy to God and we are blameless and above reproach. So not only did he say we are blameless, but he says we are above reproach. You know, those words there, above reproach, uh, when you look at other versions, how they render that, it says to be unaccused, unimpeachable, innocent, without anything that would make you guilty before him faultless without charge so we are blameless and above reproach unimpeachable in the eyes of God uh, because of what Christ did for us because we are in Christ and so that's something we have to learn to embrace now listen to this uh, uh, as we develop this further we also must understand that not only are we holy and without blame before him in love but we are accepted in the beloved uh, Ephesians 1 and verse 6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. So the Beloved, of course, is Christ. Uh, the Father referred to Him as my Beloved Son. And so in Christ, in the Beloved, we are accepted by God. He has made us accepted. That phrase, He has made us accepted, literally means to grant special honor to be highly favored, to cover with grace, to surround with favor, to honor with blessings. That's what it means that he has made us accepted. He has made us highly favored and covered us with grace and surrounded us with favor and honored us with his blessings. He has made us highly accepted before God. He has made us objects of his grace, as one version puts it. So, you know, we must understand this is how the Father sees us. Now, let's say this out together. Father, I thank you that in Christ, I have been granted special honor. I am highly favored. I am covered with grace, surrounded with favor, 
honored with blessings and an object of your grace. That's who we are. And that's uh, what God has done for us in Christ. We have, we have been accepted in the beloved. You are not hated in Christ. You are loved by God. You're not accused in Christ. You're accepted by God. You're not shamed in Christ. You are honored by God. You're not condemned in Christ. You're favored by God. So this is our standing before God. This is how God sees us. And we must learn to embrace this identity. You know, it's a sad thing, but for many, or I shouldn't say many, but for some, uh, uh, especially because of, uh, of a religious mindset, uh, some like to self-flagellate. That means inflict, inflict pain upon themselves. Now, you see that happening in the natural. You know, people whip themselves up, beat them, and they think that through doing that, they are appeasing God and winning some sort of, you know, points with God. And sadly, sometimes people like to do that in an emotional way. They like to self-flagellate emotionally. They like to, you know, introspect themselves. And, uh, and uh, you know, in the process of introspection, they just love to condemn themselves and make themselves feel unworthy. It gives them a false sense of spirituality, a sense of, you know, oh, now God accepts me because I am inflicting emotional pain on myself, telling myself how unworthy I am, how unfit I am. That's a, a, a very wrong thing to do. It's actually a religious stronghold at work in the lives of people. God wants to deliver you from that. And he wants you to come to a place where you embrace the truth of the word. The truth of the word says you are blameless without reproach and you're accepted in the eyes of God because you are in Christ. So there's no more need for that kind of self-introspection, that kind of self-flagellation emotionally, uh, thinking that it's going to get you something before God. Stop doing it. Embrace the truth of the word. We must understand that we are washed, sanctified, and justified. Here's a beautiful passage in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. The apostle Paul, you know, he writes to the Corinthian believers. He, he tells them, you know, uh, don't you know that the unrighteous uh, will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, uh, do you don't be deceived, uh, nor fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, God, such people not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says in verse 11, and such were some of you. That means this is their past. This is not who they are. They were like that. He's saying, see, that was your past. You know, diff people came from different kinds of backgrounds. And if you uh, recall, Corinth was one of the big sin cities of those times. So he says, such were some of you. But he says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Isn't that beautiful? He says, that is your past. You were like that. But now you are different. Now you are washed. That means all the dirt and the filth has been removed. It's gone. It's no longer there. You're washed. You're sanctified, which means you are set apart for God. You've been made hallowed to God. And that's something we'll talk about next Sunday. You're sanctified. And he says, and you're justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. And that's what we want to talk about, want to emphasize today about being justified. 
Now, to be justified means to be acquitted. That means to be made free of all charge. There are no more charges against you are justified, completely acquitted, cleared of all guilt, all judgment. There's no more conviction against you. You're justified. Um, so in the New Testament, there are two words, justified, and you also read about being made righteous, righteous. Now, both the words justified and righteous, they come from the same Greek word, and therefore they mean the same thing. To be justified means to be made righteous. That means you are in right standing before God. There is no more condemnation, no more judgment against you. And so when we speak, we're going to use these terms synonymously. Justified, made righteous means the same thing. You've been made just as if you've never sinned. So can you imagine Paul telling these believers in Corinth, you know, guys, I know, and we all know what the past was, but now everything is clean. You are holy and you are justified. You are made righteous. You're, you've been made just as if you never sinned in Jesus Christ. What a wonderful truth. And that is so true for you and me. I want you to know that according to the scriptures, in Christ, you are washed, you are justified, you are made righteous, you are uh, just made just as if you never sinned. The past is gone. That's your identity today in Christ Jesus. And you and I need to embrace that and say, God, I accept that. That is me. Your word says it, so I'm going to take it. I'm going to accept it. Now, what I want to emphasize is that when God justified us, God made us righteous. He gave us his own righteousness. That means we have become the righteousness of God, or we have been made righteous with the righteousness that comes from God himself. Now, if you want to visualize this in some way, if uh, the righteousness of God, the uh, this, his state of being pure, you know, blameless, faultless, uh, could be imagined as a white robe that he wore, then he gave you and me that same robe to wear. Not a second robe, not a different robe, not from something else. The same robe that he wears, he put it on you, on each one of us. Or if you can imagine or envision the righteousness of God to be uh, a perfectly pure quality of his nature, a faultless quality of his nature, then that's the same thing he imparted, poured into you and me. So we have become the righteousness of God. I want to emphasize that, that this is God's own righteousness, not something else, not something secondary. You know, and there are many scriptures on this, and I'll just quickly mention some of them. Romans 3.22, notice that very carefully. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. So the righteousness of God has been given to everyone and is upon everyone who believe. What has been given? The very righteousness of God. His own white robe, his own state of being faultless, his own nature of being faultless and pure has been imparted to all and on all who believe. 
or 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30, which we had read a couple of weeks back. Uh, it tells us that God brought us in Christ Jesus and Christ has become for us righteousness from God. Christ himself is our righteousness. He, the one who is absolutely righteous, has now become our righteousness. And 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, again, a very familiar in Christ scripture. It says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We have become what? The righteousness of God in him, in Christ. So in Christ, you and I have become the righteousness of God because God put that to us. Now think about this. There is no other way that we can have fellowship with God because for God to have fellowship or a close friendship or intimate relationship with any being, that being, we have to be on par with God's righteousness. So the only way God could have fellowship with us is by giving us his own righteousness. And in so doing, God has put us in a place where we can have fellowship with him because we have his own righteousness. It has been imparted to us. It has been put upon us. And therefore today, when you and I can fellowship with God on the basis of becoming the righteousness of God in Christ because he has made us the righteousness of God. So you are the righteousness of God in Christ. God has made you that. And therefore you can have fellowship, a friendship with God. Because there's no other way that we could have fellowship with such a righteous and holy God. He made us the righteousness of God. Now, what we must uh, keep in mind, and we will mention this towards the end, that righteousness, there are three aspects to righteousness. So when you talk about righteousness, we talk about right standing. That means you can stand uh, right before God. Righteousness also has to do with the right quality of nature, has to do with character. That means you are, you are a righteous person. And righteousness also has to do with right behavior. That means you're doing right things. Uh, so when we talk about righteousness, it, the righteousness that has been given to us encompasses all these three aspects. The righteousness that you've become has given you right standing with God, it's made you a person with the right nature and also made you a person who wants to do right. We will talk about this a little later. Now, this righteousness, we've been justified and made righteous through faith. All that God wanted us to do, say, I want you to have faith. If you have faith in Jesus, I'll make you righteous. And look at uh, one verse of scripture. Again, there are many verses of scripture on these. And in the sermon notes, the sermon notes are actually uh, the second edition of a book uh, that we already have. We have a book that's called uh, Who We Are in Christ, but that was written uh, way back, uh, I think in 2002 or three or some long time ago. And I am just upgrading that, making it a second revised, a second edition. And uh, so these sermon notes are really part of that book that we're upgrading. But take the sermon notes because there are many scriptures on each of these things. And I'm just quoting one or two to keep the sermon short. Otherwise, you know, we'll probably spend three hours on just this theme. Um, but take the sermon notes because there are more scriptures on each of these topics that are each of these truths that I'm mentioning to you. 
Now we have been justified and made righteous through faith. We look at one scripture, Romans 5 verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith. How are we being justified? By faith. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You just believed in Jesus. You believed in what he did for you on the cross. And God said, that's enough. I'm justifying you. I'm making you righteous. And notice Romans 5 verse 1 and 2. It says, because we've been justified, this is what we have. It says, we have peace with God. You know, you and I are not at enmity with God. We are not fighting with God. God is not mad at, at us. We have peace with God. We are reconciled to God. And then he says in verse, um, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have access to the very presence of God by faith. We are in a position of grace. We are in a place of grace, a place of being highly favored by God. And we have a great joy in expecting uh, the glory of God. Another important thing to emphasize is that we've been justified freely by His grace. Romans 3.24 says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So this justification, being justified and made righteous, it's through faith and it's by grace. And here again, I want to address something uh, because religion compels us to seek being made right on the basis of merit. We want to earn it. You know, we feel like if I've done something, I will be accepted in God's eyes. You know, maybe I pray so much, maybe I give so much money, maybe uh, I do all of these good things uh, to other people and that will make me accepted in His eyes. But the Bible tells us we have been justified freely by his grace. It is not based on the merit of our works, our deeds, the things we've done, but it's His grace. And so we have to learn to accept that. Now, we do good things because He has changed us, He has made us righteous, therefore we do the righteous things. But we don't do righteous things in order to be right, righteous in His eyes. We don't try to earn it by merit. We embrace it by faith, he gives it to us by grace. And so it's freely by His grace. And the reason God can do that is because He has justified and made us righteous by His blood. That means the price Jesus paid, we are justified by His blood. Oh, the price Jesus paid is on the basis of which God is saying, I'm declaring you righteous. So you can imagine on the cross, the one who knew, knew no sin became sin for us. Our sin was put upon him. The price for our sin, the punishment for our sin was put upon him. He became our mercy seat, the Bible says. And so because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, God can turn around to you and me and say, if you have faith, I will, I'm justifying you. I'm making you righteous in my eyes because of the price Jesus paid, because of his shed blood, and I'm giving it to you freely by grace because somebody else paid the price. And so we receive it by faith. Now, having understood this, that you and I have been justified and made righteous, let's close by 
talking about the practical implications of this. So what does this mean to me as a believer? You know, it's wonderful to discover truth, but how does the truth translate into uh, everyday application? So I want to mention some of those things, which the Bible tells us. And this is how we're supposed to live out of this identity of being justified and made righteous. So you understand your identity. Before God, you are justified. You are made righteous. That's who you are now. You're accepted in the beloved. You're no longer a sinner. You're no longer dirty. You're being washed. You're no longer unworthy. He's honored you. He's favored you. He's graced you. He's blessed you. So that's your identity. How do you live out of it? What does it mean to you and me in everyday life? I want to mention a few things taught to us in scripture. First of all, you must understand that there is no condemnation. Romans 8 and verse 1, a very, very familiar verse. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The latter part of the verse we will deal with a little later. But look at the first part. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what we are studying. So in Christ, there is no condemnation against you. If you look up the, the word condemnation there in the Greek, it, it means there is no adverse sentence. There is no condemning verdict. There's no guilty judgment, no guilty conviction. So there is no adverse sentence against you. God is not speaking adversely against you. There is nothing of that. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So understand that. Be free, be free, be free from all sense of guilt, shame, condemnation, accusation. Be free because there is no condemnation against you. Learn to say, I am accepted in the beloved. I am righteous in his eyes. I have a right standing with God. I have peace with God. I am in this place of grace. I'm highly favored. I am accepted by God. I am seen in the beloved. Learn to embrace it. And that's when Romans 8 and verse 33, it says, who will bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who can bring an adverse sentence against you? Who can do it? Who can present something like that? Why? Because it says, the great judge has himself justified you. God himself has justified you. And verse 34 says, Christ who died, the very one who paid the price for our right justification, he is there at the right hand of the Father. He's right there. So there's nobody who can bring a false accusation against you. Who will lay a charge against God's elect? You know, now, we must understand that uh, uh, this, this truth is so important because this is also Satan's primary tool against the believer. What do you mean? It means, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 and 11 says, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And he accuses us. So in our minds, he brings these thoughts of accusation. He accuses you before God. He says, you're unworthy. You're unfit. You're such a you know, sinful person. You're a worm in the dust. You, know, you are good for nothing. Oh, you're just a donkey. Well, Jesus rode on a donkey. So he says, you know, you're just a donkey. You're just, you're nothing. So he brings accusation. Remember what you did yesterday. Remember what you did five years ago. Remember what he did 10 years ago. So that's Satan's tool, accusations. He accuses us before God. Those thoughts keep coming into your mind, telling you you're unfit before God, telling you 
You're unworthy before God. And so many believers believe the lies of the devil. They stay under this condemnation. Whereas the Bible says there is no condemnation against you in Christ. And so what? This accusation of the, of the devil incapacitates many believers. They just are incapacitated spiritually. They can't do anything. They, they feel unfit to do anything, uh, unfit to serve God, unfit to pray, unfit to you know, uh, do the things God wants us. And this is Satan's strategy. But I want you to rise up. You know, I want you to say, I, there is no more condemnation against me in Christ. Reject the lies of the devil. Be free, be free, be free from all accusations of the devil. You know, there are no more court cases against you. Some of you who may be familiar with this courts of heaven teaching, I want to let you know there are no more court cases against you. The Bible says in John 16 verse 11 that on the cross, Satan was judged and condemned. You don't have to go to heaven, the courts of heaven, to fight any more cases. Just believe the word of God. The Bible says everything was settled on the cross. On the cross, God condemned the devil. He justified you. Why do you want to go to court again? It's over. You've been justified. Embrace the truth. There are no more court cases against you. You don't need to go to the courts of heaven to defend yourself. The one who justified you will defend you. Rest in his word, in his truth. Now, uh, secondly, secondly, understand this. That we have boldness to enter the God's presence. Because we've been made righteous. Because we've been justified. We have boldness to enter the presence of God. One scripture on this, Ephesians 3.12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. We have boldness and access with confidence. So how do you access the presence of God? Boldly and with confidence because you are in Christ. So when you go before God, you go before him boldly. That's the only way we can enter the presence of God. Why? He has made us the righteousness of God. What's on him is given to us. That's what qualifies us to enter. And so because you have become the righteousness of God, you go boldly. You're all clothed with the same righteousness that he has. He's given it to you. So you come boldly with confidence in the presence of God. You can ask boldly. We come boldly to the throne of grace to find grace and obtain mercy to find mercy and obtain grace in our time of need. So you come boldly and you know your request will be granted because you're coming on the basis of his righteousness. So that's, that's the second thing. How we approach God has changed completely. We come boldly with confidence. You don't come saying, oh God, I'm such an unworthy sinner. Don't talk like that. That was your past. Today you say, Father, thank you. But I am your righteousness. I can come boldly, Father. You are my Father. I'm your Son. You have clothed me with your righteousness. You come boldly with confidence. This is not arrogance. This is humility. With humility, you're accepting the truth of the Word of God and saying, what the Bible says about me is true. What Christ did for me on the cross is true. He finished the work. He justified me. He made me righteous. So with humility, I'm embracing that. I'm going boldly with confidence to the throne of God. I'm speaking as somebody who has been made righteous, 
who has been justified in the eyes of God. So on that basis, you and I pray and we can receive from God. Thirdly, because we have been justified, the Bible says in Romans 5 verse 17, that we can reign in life. Listen to Romans 5 verse 17. For by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. Notice what it says, that those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, they will reign in life. It's contrasting things here. Adam sinned. He put us in a place of judgment. He put us in subjection to sin, Satan, and death. Jesus came, lived a life of perfect obedience. So he brought us into a place of being justified or made righteous. And this verse says, because we have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, what happens? We now reign in life. Adam put us in subjection to sin, Satan, and death. We have received the gift of righteousness. So now we have mastery. We have dominion over sin, Satan, and death. We rule over everything Adam put us in subjection to. So understand this. The gift of righteousness qualifies you to reign in life. That means you have to rule as a king in life. Now we're talking in spiritual terms. You rule and have dominion over everything Adam subjected us to. Sin, Satan, the things of the earth. You rule, you have dominion in the realm of the spirit. So... The gift of righteousness has made us kings and priests unto God. The gift of righteousness qualifies you to stand before God as a priest. The gift of righteousness qualifies you to rule as a king on earth. You reign in life over the things that Adam subjected us to. So understand that when you face things here on earth, whatever you face, that you know is, is a result of uh, the fall of man, this gift of righteousness has put you in a place where you can reign, you can dominate, you can subdue those things because you have been given the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness is also our armor before the enemy. It's the armor. You see, you have something Satan doesn't have. You have righteousness. And the Bible says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Take on the armor of righteousness. Righteousness is a weapon against the enemy. When you advance in your righteousness, Satan has to retreat. He does not have what you have. And the righteousness that God has given you is your armor against the enemy. You see, the Bible says that the demons believe in God and they tremble. You and I believe in God and rejoice in his presence. Big difference. We do that because we are righteous. And as we stand against Satan and as against those demons, we stand with boldness because righteousness gives us authority and dominion over Satan and his demons. We have something they don't have. We stand as king and master over Satan and his demonic powers. That's how we face Satan and his demons. Lastly, in closing, remember, we must fellowship with God in righteousness. So righteousness has these three has this threefold aspect. It gives you right standing with God, but it also gives you the quality of being a righteous person, a just person. That means you do not do anything unjust. You walk in righteousness. And righteousness means you live righteously before God. And that is important because 
Righteousness not only gives us a right standing before God, but has called us, put us in this place where we live, that we have the quality of being righteous and we live out of that righteousness. We walk in righteousness. Now, we know, as we mentioned last week, our mind, our soul has to be renewed, our body has to be crucified. And so sometimes as believers, we sin, we do wrong things because our mind is not yet fully renewed. There's still that fleshly desires in our body and our soul. So we still do wrong things. So what do we do then? First John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I need to guard what God has given me. If I do something wrong, I, I sin. I call sin a sin. And I say, God, I'm sorry. I've done something wrong. I've done something against the nature of what you put in me. I've done something against the righteousness you've given me. God, forgive me. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us. So when you are cleansed, you, you, know, you don't have to have any sense of guilt, shame, and condemnation. It's gone. You stand accepted in the beloved. And that's the position of the believer. Righteous, justified, and made righteous. I want you to embrace that. Today, after the worship team leads us in song, we're going to come back and we're going to pray. And when we pray today, I want you to pray as somebody who's been justified and made righteous by His grace through the blood of Christ. It's done. And so when you and I pray you say, God, I ask, as somebody whom you've made righteous, fit to come into your presence, I ask for this, whatever it may be. You don't have to beg God. You don't have to think that God is going to hold it back from you because you're unfit or unworthy. No, to understand, He's favored you. He's graced you. So you ask boldly, with confidence, in faith, and we will receive. We're going to let the worship team lead us. We're going to come back and pray together and believe God for his healing, for his deliverance, his provision in our lives.
shadows But like the fire Your name is power Can we sing it? Your name is power Your name is power Your name is healing Your name is life Break every stronghold Shine through the shadows But like the fire Shout Jesus from the mountains Jesus in the streets Speak your holy name, Jesus. We speak it together. Shouts Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name. Thank you, worship team, and let's join our hearts together in prayer right where you are. I want you to understand today that you are blameless, without reproach, no condemnation. You are accepted, and you have boldness and confidence in the presence of God. So today I want you to go boldly. Say, God, thank you. I have become the righteousness of God. I have been given your righteousness. I can come freely and boldly in your presence and I ask you for this. As we pray, expect God to touch you. The word of God will not return to him void. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this wonderful truth in your word that 
You have done this for us in Christ. We have become the righteousness of God. Father, we can come into your presence because you've made us the righteousness of God. And so, Father, we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now pray for every person tuned in, God. Lord, whatever their need is today, I pray you will meet it. And I stand in my place of authority in the name of Jesus, having received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And I stand against every work of Satan. I stand against every work of sickness and disease and infirmity. I stand against every evil work that has trapped people in, in, in difficulties and problems and bondages and afflictions in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, let these things be broken off of their spirit, of their lives, and let the life, the Zoe life of God that, that is theirs, flood their beings spiritually, emotionally, in their body, in their finances, in every sphere of life. Let the abundant life of God flood their lives in the name of Jesus. Father, I speak into areas of financial need. In the name of Jesus, let financial needs be met. Let the provision of God, the supply of God come in and let their needs be met. I speak in the area of emotional trauma, of emotional problems, of mental health issues. In the name of Jesus, let there be healing. Let there be deliverance. Let the work of God take place, delivering them, Father, from their afflictions in Jesus' name. I speak for healing in their physical bodies in the mighty name of Jesus. Let every yoke of sickness, disease be broken. Let the power of God bring healing into their physical bodies in the name of Jesus. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you praise for your power touching people now. We thank you, oh God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. Lord, we honor you, even as we are praying, just as a little step of faith, I want you to begin to do something that you could not do. Uh, begin to act your faith in, in, in your physical body. If you had problems, just begin to check and begin to do something you couldn't do with expectation, saying, I, I believe that the power of God will touch me and heal me. And as you begin to exercise your faith and just do something, uh, let the power of God flow through your body and, and receive your healing. Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise, Father. Thank you, O oh God, for your grace, for your anointing. Lord God, we pray that the peace of God be administered into the lives of people, into the families, into the homes, Father. Let the peace of God fill their hearts, fill their minds, fill their homes, fill their families. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks and we give you praise, Father. Thank you for ministering today to your people in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for being with us, for praying together with us. I want to hear your testimonies. Uh, if God has done something in your life, send us an email to testimony at apcwo.org. Tell us what the Lord has done for you. Um, we will be able to rejoice with you. Our church staff and all the people who work behind the scenes can rejoice with you. And we want to glorify God together with you. So send us an email. Tell us what the Lord has been doing in your life and how he's been touching you and ministering to you through his word, by his spirit, in the name of Jesus. We want to hear from you. Thank you for being with us. Please feel free to share this message. Uh, with other people, 
maybe it will help them strengthen them in their journey of faith so go ahead and share it with others god bless you we're going to just speak our benediction and after that we will close may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god our heavenly father and the sweet fellowship of his holy spirit be with each one of us always in jesus name amen amen god bless you see you again thank you for listening we trust this message was a blessing to you for more free resources including sermons sermon notes publication please visit apcwo.org for information on apc bible college in bangalore please visit apcbiblecollege.org please remember to download the all people's church bangalore app from the app or google play store